Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. That's never going to get old. Actually, I think the binder, Binders Full of Women will get old, but it'll be remembered forever. Like, the, the references to Binders Full of Women will get old. Got it. Right? But in, in assuming Obama wins the election, which I think you probably will, in 50 years, historians will be going, and then that time he said, remember when Lobby said that stupid thing? There'll be people writing PhD theses on it, theses on how stupid that was. Binders Full of Women. I mean, yeah, I know that's not what he meant. It just was a very poor choice of words. Almost felt sorry for him. Almost. Then I thought, well, he can go home and bathe in his big pile of money. <laughs> so he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine. I just heard might be a robot, though. And then he might just attack. It's like... In the next debate, like if Obama gets really gets under his skin again, like he did, I think he'll just go like a Terminator, and he'll just kill him. That's my theory. I know it's unfamiliar. Exceedingly unlikely. All right. Enough of that. Um. Well, person, how many of you are taking Paul's personality class? Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. I took personality uh, in, in uh, like '85, so uh, we're, we're, we're pretty good. Um. <laughs> I know that stuff. Personality is about commonality, consistency across situations, right? Uh, we know that. Um, the situation obviously plays a role. Uh, that's what social psychology is, right? Is the situation playing a role? Um, but so does the, the individual. To say that there isn't consistency, to say the individual doesn't pay, doesn't change anything, is to be an idiot. You can't say that because. Under exactly the same circumstances, I don't react exactly the same as you do. Right? <clears throat> I mean, so you have to be a moron to say something like that. And going one way that, and you might think, well, yeah, that's kind of a given, Dave. Why are you telling me this? Because in the late 60s and early 70s, I think it might have been the drugs, but a lot of the work, a bunch of social psychologists basically saying personality didn't exist. Doesn't even exist, man. They were all high, pretty sure. But they were saying this, which is kind of a crazy idea. What was that? It was like somebody had an idea. <laughs> um, so they were actually saying this, and you know, you might think at first, if you're taking Paul's personality class, you know that a lot of what personality psychologists get really, really excited about point three correlations. They say, let's measure the correlation between the number of, I don't know, let's pick a bit, let's see, how aggressive you are and the number of times and the length of your criminal record that's going like that. And as you would imagine, that those two things correlate, but they correlate 0.30. Point three zero. That means that not only nine, because it's square, nine percent of the variance in criminal criminality is accounted for by the personality characteristic aggression, aggressiveness. 
really excited for study psychology. Ooh, a point three. That's that's ooh, they do a lot of that. They're all like Paul Lind in the old Hollywood squares. That was just for me. Um, huh. Well, maybe there is no personality, except that a guy named Epstein came along in 1983, I think. Um, and he said, you know, you're being an idiot, you guys. What, you, what you're doing is you're saying that you're looking at one behavior, one behavior, and expecting it to correlate 1.0. That's your criticism? That's ridiculous. Let's look at a bunch of behaviors. This sounds a lot like Al Campbell in the learning thing, if you think about it. Let's look at a lot of behaviors that can be considered, say, aggressive. And let's look at not just over a brief period, let's look at over, say, a month's period, period of time. So many people fill out a personality questionnaire. I think it was the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. <coughs> and then he said, okay, we got that. Now we've filled that up. Now I want you to fill in a journal each day of things you've done. And it's for a whole month, and he got correlations of like 0.6, between 0.6 and 0.7, which is between 36 and 49 percent of the variance, and that's a lot better. So we put the idea of is there no personality to, to bed, which is a good thing. So we're going to focus on what makes us, while, while, while personality is about what makes us different, we're going to focus on what makes us the same, because remember I keep saying that this is about the universal people, universal humans. So I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about what makes us all the same as humans. Individual differences are interesting, and I'm not going to ignore them. That would be, again, stupid. Um, but I want to talk about what brings us together more than what divides us. I'm really an inspirational figure. <laughs> so I want to talk about what, you know, does it divide us that we're different? Yeah, but you know, we're way more the same than we are different. I think that's more of an interesting approach. The differences are also interesting, and we will talk a little bit about them. Um, but I think asking why are humans like this rather than why are this kind of, why is this kind of human like that, I think it's a better kind of question. Okay. So, um, but before we get there, why is there variability in personality? It's an interesting question. There's a variability in number of hearts we have. It's one or you die. There's no one with two hearts. You know, there are people with two brains, except, you know, the man with two brains, the great Steve Martin film from 1981. Where it turns out Merv Griffin is the killer. Spoiler alert. Um, but there's a lot of variability in how humans behave here. Wait a second. You know, there's a lot of variability in how liables behave. You know, you might have had two different dogs and they behave differently in different situations. You want to call that personality? You can. It is cold here, isn't it? It's unreal. So that was that. Oh, what a weird world. We'll do something about that. We'll make a few calls. I don't know who we're gonna call. Well, he's gonna call. Watch that just the other night on Netflix. God, it's funny. It holds up, even though it's so 1980s. It's unreal. It still holds up. So, what is your variability? You know, what about being at the optimum, right? Well, it could actually be normal variation around the optimum. 
Um, we see this in a lot of characteristics. Now, we don't see much variation in number of hands, number of fingers, but we do see variation in height. We do see variation in how fast you can run. You can think of a lot of characteristics that humans have. <coughs> Weight, whatever. Look around the room, we see a lot of variation in things like skin color. It doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, it's just variation. Is there an optimum? There's probably an optimum depending on where you live, the color of your skin, right? The projection of the sun, that's about it. Could it be the optimum value changed over time? Now, this is interesting because it might have been the case that being, let's say, classic personality difference between men and women, men are more aggressive than women. Okay. On average, can't say that if we say uh, compare Jamal and Maddie, that maybe Maddie's more aggressive than Jamal. Could be, I don't know. We, we can't make the thing look individuals, but if we took the guys in the room and the women, I, I guarantee you are more aggressive, even at this small sample size. Um, and also because of my rage, which will bring up the score so high. But does it make sense now for men to be like that? Probably not. Probably not. If this was 200,000 years ago, you know, all the guys, you know, like Zach and I, be eyeing each other to fight for mates. It's not going to happen at this point. Right? I hope. <laughs> Seriously? Um, it made sense then. It doesn't make sense now, but evolution takes a long time to catch up. So maybe that's what it is that there was, the optimum was one place and people were slowly moving to a new place. Okay. Oh, by the way, these aren't mutually exclusive, right? Now, frequency-dependent selection will play a role, too. We talked about this, where it, it's, it's going to be the case that if everybody, let's say, is aggressive, being a little, being nice and calm and meek is actually good. Because if we're always aggressive, so you always, I walk up to you, walk up to me, we start fighting. Even though you probably always win, because I think you're in better shape than you go faster. <laughs> I'm wildly <wild>, awkward. <laughs> um, but, uh, karate kid reference there, really. But, I still got a couple of kicks in, a couple of hits. You're always going to win, but I'm still going to probably hurt you a little. You know what's actually better? Is if I say to you, yeah, sure, here, dude, take my passport, it's fine. <laughs> if I just hand things off to you instead of fighting with you, I lose shit all the time. But before I lost shit, and I got the crap kicked out of me. Now I don't get beaten up. I'm losing stuff, but I'm actually not wasting my time fighting you. It's a better strategy. So be, if it's a lot of people fighting, a lot of people being aggressive. Being calm, being meek is good. If everybody's meek, anybody can be the toughest kid in school. Right? So if everybody's all okay, no, 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 you take my, and uh, I just want to give me that. And go, oh, sure. <laughs> you always win. So that's frequency dependent selection. So that's going to play a role here, too, where when something, it depends on what the others are doing. Again, these are not mutually exclusive. Finally, many psychological traits are facultative, which all that means is that the environment has a huge impact. Right? 
Let's think of a physical trait like that, height. Height has a huge, there's a huge, though height is 80% heritable, 80% of variance is because of the height, you can just take because of the height of your parents, it's easy to do. But, you take a look, if you've been to, uh, well, even Fort, Fort St. Joseph, down St. Joseph Island, or if you go to the Citadel in Quebec City, it's really easy to see this, people used to be short. You can see the little holes where they would put their guns out, which have a technical name. The holes they put the muskets in to shoot the English from the, from the French fort. I don't know what it's called there. I don't know what that's called. It's got a name though, and it's going to bug me. They're like that high. Guys were five feet tall. People were short. If there was the NBA back then, I'd be the new bull. Because people didn't eat as well as we do now. They don't they didn't have as much nutrition. Right? I'm not going to say that, you know, comparing 1763, when the Battle of the Plains Abraham, comparing to 1759, uh, comparing that to now, yes, clearly there's been a huge evolutionary surge, and now the French are taller. Well, no, that can't be the case. It's the fact that we eat better food now. Uh, more food. I don't know if we eat better food. But our nutrition probably is more balanced uh, in North America than it was back then because for the white people, native people were doing okay because they knew what they were doing. The white people were like, where will you find foie gras? You know, so it was... What do you think the reason is why like, it seems that kids are like, um, especially like young girls, are developing like younger? Ah, that's, a, that's an excellent and very interesting question. That's a, that's a bit of a messiah, but no problem. There's a couple of theories why this has happened, like why girls are going to puberty younger. Yeah. Then they used to, it may be the case, however, that girls used to go probably to puberty around 10, 11, 100,000 years ago. Um, and it's also, there are, of course, if you look at marriage records back in, say, ancient Rome, girls got married at 11 and 12. But why is it that there's a lot of possible reasons that, that, that girls go through puberty younger and younger? Because it seems to be the case. Um, you hear one thing, which is about the amount of hormones in milk and meat. I don't actually know if I buy that, um, but I've heard it. I've heard another theory, which is artificial light. Because artificial light makes it seem like we're in daylight longer, so it tricks our biological clocks into thinking that we're older than we are. That also, those both, that and oh, there's a lot of hormones in milk. That sound, those all sound good, those are just so stars. We don't really know. The amount of, but there are, there are cases, by the way, in places where there is a large amount of hormone, uh, where it's not regulated, like it's GABA, um, where literally you get five-year-olds developing secondary sexual characteristics. But that doesn't happen here. It happens, but it's exceedingly rare as a disorder. But it's a good question. And I don't think anybody knows the answer. Okay, so those are mutually exclusive. Let's talk about intelligence. A lot of people will tell you that it's not a personality trait. And I think they say that because, well, it's very socially desirable to be intelligent. Nobody wants to be stupid. Right? It's funny, you ask people, um, are you smarter than the average person? 80% of people say yes. That can't be true. 
<coughs> it's got to be it's got to be fifty. So I think it fits the bill nicely. It varies. I don't know if there's an optimum level. Um, it's frequency dependent. You know, I, I think this fits the bill nicely for a personality trait. The question you could ask, though, is it one ability or is it many abilities? Because if we take the modular approach to cognition, we might think it's many. We might think it's many. But we also might say that there is a general ability, also known as G, G for general, that is at the core of many of these different sort of sub-intelligences, if you want to talk about it that way. It's probably something hierarchical. I think people that reject G are being, it's like when you reject anything at a hand, I think it's the same. So some people say it's not <clears throat> because there are different sub-scores on intelligence tests, for example. Other people say, yeah, but they all correlate pretty highly. And I think probably there is something lower, like your ability to do math, your spatial ability, your verbal ability. But all that goes together with your general intelligence. So that, it seems to me that it's probably something that our, that's just my view. I'm not saying it has to be. But I, I think G is the top of this, this general intelligence. And again, this is just my idea. I mean, I, I am just sent, I, I am, um, I'm sympathetic to that view. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so it might look something like this. You got G at the top, and then we might have various sub-things like reasoning, perceptual ability, memory, spatial ability, numerical ability, verbal fluency, and verbal comprehension. What this is doing is it's combining ideas of both a guy named Thurston and a guy named Spearman. Spearman is the G guy, uh, first note is the multiple intelligence guy. It's saying they're both right. Spearman, of course, also invented the uh, Spearman gum. No, that's Spearmint. <laughs> and this international student once, Erico, who's Erico's doing a PhD now uh, at Western. Uh, she's from Japan, and she did her English as a second language here, and then she did a psych degree, and a very bright young woman. But at first, she didn't get all these stupid little jokes, I think. So, like, she'd come up afterwards and say, Did you really think that could come? No! No, it's two different things, there you go. Okay, so this is a pretty traditional way to look at it, and it's putting Thurstone and Spearman together. You've got Spearman all over my Thurstone, you've got Thurstone all over my Spearman, and it tastes delicious. It, it, it's pretty sensitive. So you see, you can, you, can, you can almost think of these as, maybe these are modules. You can think of it that way, okay? Um, but they all have, there's, a, there's something at the top that they all relate to. And that's the sort of general ability or general intelligence, or G. So are there other intelligences? Because I'm taking a unitary hierarchical view, so it's sort of halfway in between. 
halfway in between, which is redundant. It's halfway between Thurston and Spirit. Um, is creativity a kind of intelligence? I don't know. What's creativity? Like, we can all agree. Oh, let's name you some creative people. Picasso. Let's say he was creative. Einstein. Sure. Darwin. Sure. Michael Jordan. Yeah, sure. Great basketball player. Wayne Gretzky. Sure. similar are they? Here's my essay question. And I guess that, that, uh, that that's the offensive meter or something like that. And I've finally gone too far. Uh, oh no, that's the Godwin's Law meter. I've, I've, I invoked Hitler. The discussion is over. Um, we have domain-specific abilities, right? Don't we? We have like, and look back actually at the original when I presented them with the G and the So like, some people are good at arithmetic. It's domain specific. Some people are good at grammar. It's domain specific. Some people are just good at history. Right? So you know, sort of academically, right? Okay. non-school things. Because, you know, basically, you're at a, who here's that on IQ test? I'm not going to ask you your IQ. Who here's that around? None of you? Oh, yeah? I wouldn't, like, an internet one. Yeah, those don't count. No. Everybody comes in at 120. Because <laughs> they make you feel good and then click their ads. Click our Google ads. Okay, so the only person here is around IQ test. It was all the rage in the early 70s. As a kid, you get IQ tested over and over. Consequently, when I turned 18, uh, I get, you know when you turn 18, you can look at your sleep record file? Did you know that? Yeah, so the first thing I did when I turned 18 is I walked into the office of my high school and said, can I see when I turn a sleep record, please? Thinking it was going to be a big, I was going to have, oh, here you go. I thought there was going to be a battle. I was getting all geared up. I'm going to need an adult! 
So consequently, I saw what my IQ was in grade four. We would test all the time. But it's mostly school type things. Right? Now, IQ tests do have things like they have memory and memory component, stuff like that, there's no doubt. Um, one of the ones they use is backwards digit span. So I give you a series of digits forward, and then you've got to repeat it to be backwards. That's the kind of stuff you can hold working memory. That's all really good, but it's mostly like vocabulary, math, reasoning, stuff you do in school. How about non-school stuff? Is that affected by, I would say it's affected by intelligence. Is there no school intelligence? Well, if we're evolutionary psychologists, we've got to say yes, because there wasn't school. Right? School was, okay, son, this is how you throw a spear. After that, you go beat up another guy and have sex with a woman. Nature, nature's ugly, nature ain't pretty. That short, brutish, and... Uh, John Locke, right? State of nature is short, brutish, and something else. So there's got to be... Assuming we say that intelligence evolved, and we must, I think, I think we'd have to accept that, if we go, the next step is, how? Because it wasn't like there was school 200,000 years ago. It wasn't like people were doing complicated vocabulary Reading comprehension problems, because reading hadn't been invented yet. So, non-school stuff has to play a role. Is there such a thing as emotional intelligence? I've heard this one. This is the idea of your EQ, your emotion quotient. The idea that you keep, a, keep steady, and you don't get too worked up, and don't get too worked out. Is that a thing? I think it's a thing. Is it anything with intelligence? I'm not entirely sure. So I'm going to say perhaps on these things. I think we have to make specific abilities. Uh, again, if we accept the G approach. Remember the hunter-gatherer IQ would be a lot different than the IQ you'd get, say, from an I Because an SAT test or a GRE graphic record exam, you know what those are? Those are basically just IQ tests. I think the hunter-gatherer IQ couldn't be measured with an SAT. But I'm sure there were smart hunter-gatherers back in the EEA, right? So there must have been smart ones. The guy with the alligator tooth was smart. Okay. Now, intelligence is so important for, for we can define intelligence if we wanted to as the ability to solve novel problems. Right? I like that. Well, we should be able to do that, shouldn't we? Why, is, why, are we, why are we have variance in intelligence as compared to the other personality things? Well, brain size, okay, there is an effect of brain size, but it's so, so small as to be unimportant. But there is a very small correlation between the size of your brain and the size of your IQ. But it's really small, and it's so small that it doesn't matter much. So it isn't just that some people have bigger heads than other people. It would also be the case that the guy we called Big Head in my high school football team would be the smartest man I've ever met. A guy had a big head. He had a bigger head than me, and he was about, he was about that tall. And his nickname, of course, was Big Head. 
And he had this funny voice, and he always goes, shut up, I don't have a big head. I was like, no, dude, you do. Then he cut his hair, he had an afro kind of thing going on. White guy, by the way, it's always a good look. Um, and he cut his hair really short, he goes, I don't, I don't have a big head anymore. It's like, no, dude, it's your head. You have a big head. We don't dislike you, but you have a big head. But I had the second biggest head in the team, rather than, like helmet rather than big head, so. But the effect of brain size is small. It's probably given the fact that it's, it's got to be a polygenetic trait, right? It's not like there's one intelligence gene. It's got to be multi, uh, it's got to be from multiple genes. There's also a lot of challenges during development, right? If you don't get the right input, your mother doesn't have the right nutrition when she's pregnant, or it's pre-1980 and everyone smokes. My mom secondhand smoked three packs a day when she was pregnant. She never smoked a cigarette in her life. My dad's like, I'm pretty sure she drank a little bit when she was pregnant. Because everybody did. It was like Mad Men. Everybody did that. Back. So there's all these challenges during development. And also, after you're born, there's the challenges during the development there, too. Um, and brains are expensive. Like, exceedingly expensive, right? Using, what, 75% of your glucose and 25% of your oxygen. Wow. It's an expensive thing to maintain. So you know what? If you don't need very much of it, it dies off. In fact, your brain works that way all the time. You're born with, as you probably know, more neurons than you'll ever have in your whole life. So because of that, it may be the case that, you know, when everything's going okay, stuff kind of dies. You, just, you have just enough to get by. That would make some sense. Okay, some implications of looking at evolution from an uh, sorry, intelligence from an evolutionary standpoint. We learn things in school that are completely novel evolutionarily. Right? You know, the idea of, of universal education only came about in the 1900s. You know, in ancient Rome, the only people that went to school past very basic elementary school type schools were really rich people. Everyone else was like, okay, now you learn to become a barrel maker. Or, you know, a sword forger. Skyrim or something. And then, you know, and that's up until like the 1900s. My father was a cooper, his father was a cooper, his father before him, going back to that, and before that, the Romans ran Britain. You know, like, that's how things were. So, school in and of itself is only about 100 years old when you do school. Yes, I know you've seen, oh yeah, I went to Upper Canada Village, and they had a one-room schoolhouse, and the kids all left in grade 8 to become farmers, which is fine. Right? So, this is really new. Well, you know why intelligence tests were developed, right? By, by Binet. He was developing them because the French government in like the 1890s said, everybody has to go to school now. Everybody. And he said, you know, there'll be a problem with this because uh, some of these children are somewhat slow. We should be able to recognize the slow children. 
That's really why intelligence tests, because they were going to have everybody go to school, regardless of ability, which is very progressive to the 1890s. Um, but they also knew, B.N.A. knew that teachers would have trouble because the, some of the kids just weren't that bright. Right? So it's, it's that new. And there is variation in novel things like reading and math. Novel abilities like that, since so evolutionarily novel. Doing arithmetic and math uh, without actually writing it out and thinking about it mathematically, like representing number isn't new. Just like language isn't new. But reading it is new and math is new. Actual mathematics. There's <laughs> a lot of variation in that. And it can't be from the EEA because we weren't doing that. It must be the case that, that it seems to me that these things tap into something like problem-solving ability that must have evolved. So language learning and counting, on the other hand, are not novel. We've been doing that since we've been humans. But reading and mathematics are different than language learning and counting, say. Okay, some other personality traits. Well, one could ask, how many personality traits are there? How about go with five? It's called the big five. Openness, conscientiousness, extroversion. Oh, by the way, it's openness, not openness, conscientious, selfish, extroversion, introversion. It's a scale, that's why it's scale. Agreeableness. and neuroticism. These are the big five. And they do as good a job as any other set of personality traits that I explain first now. Ocean. What? It says ocean. It says what? Ocean. Where does it say ocean? Like, like oh, wow. An acronym, yeah. Dude, I didn't notice that. I didn't memorize that. I don't remember my friend Pete always memorized in our personality class, actually. Memorized everything with mnemonics and he's driving nuts. Dave, I spoke with a new mnemonic. It's like, I'm trying to learn the material. Of course, I do this for a living now, and he's a vice president at Disney, so I don't think it really matters to him. <laughs> you know. But I bet, I bet he does it to this day. I bet his secretary comes in and she says, I've developed a series of mnemonics for you, Pete, for that meeting. <laughs> But I like to think it is. I haven't seen it in years. So yeah, there's your big five. Okay, I don't know if they're any good, but that's it's standard. Um, these seem to vary a lot more in intelligence, though. So intelligence is a lot less variable than the big five. Why? Hmm. Well, it's probably the case that these aren't nearly, or sorry, that these are much more facultative. Why would that be? Because ability to solve novel problems, doesn't matter what your environment is, that's a good thing. Doesn't matter. Whereas sometimes being agreeable, depending on your situation, depending on the environment you're in, sometimes that's great, sometimes that's not great. 
or being more or less neurotic, which just means like, you know, nervous. You're from the ocean? That just means nervous, right? So it's like, sometimes it makes sense to be nervous. If you're looking at the end of uh, Walking with Cavemen, and the humans are there, and they got that one family who's living in Africa, and they're like, really kind of almost screwed. I'd be nervous too. And it probably helped them out to survive, to be a little nervous. In that situation, it was evolutionarily sensible to be a little bit jumpy. So that's probably why other personality traits are more facultative, why they're more affected by environmental variation. And what's optimal changes a great deal, because what's optimal changes a great deal depending on the situation. Right? Changes a great deal depending on the situation. All right. So, I mean, like, when you think about this stuff, you have to realize that we can talk about... Well, no, I'll, let me just... I'll come back to that in a second. So many factors influence personality and intelligence. Um, makes sense, I think it might make sense to discuss intelligence separately. An evolutionary approach to intelligence are becoming much more generally accepted. Now, there is, and I'm glad I've got this time left, there is an evolutionary approach to intelligence that is an evolutionary approach that is just stupid bullshit science. And I'm not going to explain it to you. And it is the approach of someone who just recently died, and his name was Phil Rushton, he was a professor at Western. So I feel a little ashamed, because I went to school there. Rushton had a theory, again, remember, these are his ideas, not mine, and they are bullshit. Rushton's idea, because he started as a personality psychologist, he's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. And then he got into the evolution, and he said, this is cool. Let's just find a lot of people do that. But he didn't know what he was doing. So he said, if you look at IQ tests, Asians score higher than whites, and whites score higher than blacks on average. And frankly, that's true. There's nothing bullshit about that. That's true. We can discuss why. I can also point out that if you take poor black, this is a typically American data, by the way. We take poor black American kids and they live in a white neighborhood with, even if their parents were poor before, they somehow made a lot of money and really pulled themselves up. And, well, suddenly their intelligence grows up. And that gap between black, white, and Asian is dropping over time. So that should tell you something right there. It should give you a little indication that it might have something to do with the environment and, you know, having less opportunity. But it's a real thing, it's, real, it's a real phenomenon, in denying it, it's kind of silly. Okay. Russian's explanation was that, you see, black folks living in Africa, because they stayed in Africa, they had less, uh, well, the environment, there was more plenty, there was more environment, more stuff, more food there. You know, which, okay, oh, I'm still with you, that's okay. So therefore, they didn't have to evolve, you know, any intelligence. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> You're starting to lose me. What they did do is had a lot of babies. Okay. This explains why black people have more babies than white people. 
No, believe me, this is what he said. This is, again, not my... You think that might be because you're poorer and poorer people tend to have more kids and, like, you know, we all know that stuff, right? Yeah, probably, but no. Asian people, on the other hand, had it really tough. Because they were living in northern Asia. And the game wasn't as uh, plentiful. So they had to be smarter. That's why they did better at school. And they have fewer kids than any group when they come to North America, let's say. Okay, I'll accept your demographics, but... And you know what? They do less crimes. Blacks do all the crimes. Asians do hardly any. Whites are just right. Right in the middle. Right in that sweet spot. See the with intelligence right in the right part there. By the way, this is, again, this is bullshit. He also then went on to measure penis size. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> They said, well, you know, blacks got bigger penises because uh, they have more babies and there's more competition. <laughs> the problem is, you see, this was what, this was trotted out as evolutionary psychology 25 years ago. That's the first thing. Secondly, it was coming out of where I did my undergrad degree. Um... It is so horribly, completely... Now, there are theoretical ideas behind having more kids versus having less kids and problems. They're within species. They're between species comparisons you can do. But they're not within species. So the, the ideas he had are because he didn't know, you know, his ability to understand and, and evo- uh, evaluate evolutionary stuff. He didn't know, as my dad would have said, the difference between shit and bad meat. He had no idea. He was confused. Was he a racist? I really don't know. It certainly sounds like it. The worst thing he did is he then announces this to the world. Instead of publishing articles, which he did in sometimes good journals, other times really shitty ones, he went like on Geraldo. It's horrible. And it set this area, and this is why you'll hear sometimes about evolutionary psychology. Well, you know, it's nothing but racism. Well, there are there's a lunatic fringe in every single field. Biology has this one. Um, it's a joke. It's not a lunatic. She's nuts. In a good way. This guy set the field that I think is very important and the, rep- the most important things happened in psychology in the last 50 years set it back 20 years when he came out with his bullshit racist crap so this is in fact the differences in intelligence are where you hear mostly and also differences between men and women where you hear mostly people will say well yeah well what about Russia when you want to look at something like that just find someone crazy in their discipline and say yo what about that guy there's a nut in every discipline. And he was ours, unfortunately. And he, he was horrible. It's a bad thing. Any questions about that? He died just like last week. 
He did. He died last year. No, I'm serious. He just quit, you know. It's... So you're not going to hear much about him anymore. But you hear his name mentioned now and then. And then it's very confusing because it's like people say you should be fired. And then the worst thing is most professors, and that would be me included as a graduate student then, that said, you know, he has the right to say stupid things. And then it's like, well, then you're a racist. No, no, you're misunderstanding. I'm not going to be free that he has the right to say stupid things. What you do is you get the science to come along and show him that he's stupid. But he had a debate with David Suzuki, which he won, because David Suzuki kept saying, like, yeah, but who cares? A good one, Dave. Horrible. It's a horrible thing. Questions about that? Maybe you've heard of him, so I thought I'd mention that, and also you've made criticism of him, theory. I think we used to call it Phil's Big Balls Theory or something like that. It's like we even had like a joke name around the department. All right, I will see you guys on podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right, giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want. Okay. 
Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.